All right, welcome to the Holy Smokes Podcast, a show about faith, friendship, fine tobacco, and drink. I'm Steve Ryder, and I am in the Kunkel's backyard. Everything's getting set up for an Orange County Holy Smoke later tonight, and I figured, what the heck, we've got another couple that smokes together, so let's get one of these episodes in the can. (laughs) And we are with Sean and Christy Hatfield. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So, first question, what you smoking? I have an LFD Ligero. It was a part of a sample pack we're smoking. And I am enjoying a half pipe, which is half tobacco pipe, or half tobacco and half pipe. Interesting. Yeah. Discovered it when we were at the Colorado Cigar Festival, a couple summers ago and I loved it. Fell in love with it? Yes. And so asked for him to order a bunch more. She smokes both but she's been leaning towards those lately. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. So tell me a little about your story. Which one? (laughs) Both of you. (laughs) Who, when, where, what? Yeah. So go ahead start Sean. Like how we met? Yeah. And a little bit where'd you grow up? Yeah. So we both Southern California grew up raised facts went to school here in testa and moved around a bunch and now oddly enough uh we're back but yeah grew up here um and i actually was previously married and have two older daughters and then christy and i met what year was it (laughs) It what year was it that we met 2004 2004 and I mean, either 2004 we met and then it turned 2005 just barely I don't know close so just yeah. after a it's while a of being you know single dad whatever and just kind of I had envisioned raising you know my girls and wasn't looking yeah. for a relationship but it got to a point where our church did life groups yeah and signed up for one of those and it actually was at her house and, and it was my first night hosting so I didn't even know all the people that were yeah. showing up and who they were and who was connected to who. Yeah. I just, you know, agreed to host it because I enjoyed that. And we had my roommates and I had a really nice, cool old house in Old Town Tustin. So I said, sure, I'll host it. And he was the first person to show up. And he was early. Lucky me. Yeah. <laughs> and I opened the door and I honestly instantly thought to myself, it was one of those situations where I thought, yeah, let's do life. <laughs> Welcome to life group. <laughs> it was kind of crazy. Yeah, actually, it was a. I mean, it was mutual, strong connection. But there was actually her roommates, and then I was in a discipleship program, and my guy friends were just like, "Hey, that's great, but you're not even ready yet. You're not there yet." They kind of pulled the reins, and so through a number of you know group things, it was interesting. You know, having been previously married, you know, to learn how to date healthy and, and do mm. all that stuff and mm. to grow in that. And she loved the Lord, which was, you know, another attractive quality that I had for her. But yeah, it was, we were able to kind of grow together. And then ultimately she was one of our connections was she was a, as a teacher, she would spend her summers as a missionary in Romania. And so I had, aside from her not knowing, had done a trip to Romania. And so we had that connection. So one summer after, this was a year or so, year and a half after, after, we had started dating after a year. 
and I went and got a ring. She was already in Romania. She knew we were coming, we being a group from our church, separate of her. Yeah. And then we had planned to meet up. Yeah. And so it was all part, it was kind of the last hurrah, the way that summer had been mapped out. That week they were coming was my last week there, and then I would fly home with them. So. So I brought the ring and... I didn't know that. I didn't know the ring was coming. (laughs) I just thought the group was. (laughs) So I proposed, yeah, in Romania. In Romania. Which is pretty awesome. It's all over from there. (laughs) So Christy, were you married previously? I was. Okay. Yeah, so that's a little bit about why I think it worked so well for us. And, you know, initially just I had an empathy and an understanding and kind of an insight. Even when I met him, I knew that I knew I had to wait a little while. I could tell because he was still in the beginning stages of going through, you know, the separation and divorce. And it was Mm -hmm. it was too raw. So I was just a little further along in my journey, Mm -hmm. but I knew what he was feeling and just how hard it was to integrate, you know, in a group at church and feel not, you know, there are just so many dynamics there where you're struggling or thinking you're the only one or you're alone. And so one of the initial contacts was I wanted him to know you're not the only one in this group even amongst us that have been through you know some hard things and in particular I actually did go through a divorce so anyway he kind of lit up and went oh wow oh you understand you know and so it just was a perfect segue and we were able to connect on those same places where we both had been hurt and know what we'd gone through so you guys got married then in when it was (laughs) 2006. Okay. But it was two days before it turned 2007. So that's what we're always like on the border. <laughs> yeah. So our first date was New Year's Day. Day. So my intention was so a year later. So it was about six months in that I proposed that summer. Yeah, our first yeah. official date. Let's and be then, clear. Yeah. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then so after six months of you know engagement, I wanted to get married on New Year's uh, Day. Yeah. Uh, we had an outside wedding. And Eve or what, yeah, we were kind of playing with all of that around that time frame. Yeah, and all the rental, you know, heaters and whatever was triple the price. So we ended up getting married on December 30th <laughs> and uh, worked out for tax reasons. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, a year Everyone later, we essentially dated and got married a year. So, Sean, what do you do? What's, what do you do for work? I'm a bricklayer. Bricklayer. Yep. I've been yeah. do, doing that since high school. Or uh, pretty much, yeah. Since I was eighteen, I was married with two kids at nineteen. Oh, so I did wow. things backwards, you know. Shocker <laughs> that that didn't work out. So yeah, I was in a position where, you know, I had to make something of it or or whatever. So yeah. So that was, and by God's grace, it was something that I really liked and valued. And masonry specific is a very fast paced trade. You know, the, the mortar is going to get hard. It's going to set up. So I was really moving and really fast paced that I didn't have time to even think about my problems you know for eight hours a day it was just go 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 and I had a knack for it you know we were in custom masonry we weren't just doing uh, you know walls and so we got to do barbecues water features stuff like that and so I I've done it I guess it's been 20 years and 22 years I'm for just turned 40 okay and I've been now 12 years on my own we started a small masonry company. Down. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah, 07 went out of my own. And God's been good. So 07, if you remember 08, everything just tanked. Yeah. And the analogy I always use is, you know, in Forrest Gump, when he was out to sea and all the shrimp and boats got washed up. Yeah. 
these big companies that had you know equipment and were in debt just they went out of business so i kind of got my foot in the door and in the area we have a niche kind of newport beach i don't really travel too much and like i said by god's grace we've been busy and 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 he's good at what he does that's so, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Christy? His reputation speaks for itself. But I have, well, I don't know if you jump right into like what I do for a living or what I've done. And yeah. I have been an elementary school teacher for over 20 years. And I graduated nice. from high school. And I thought I was going to be a counselor. And mm-hmm. I went down the road of pursuing my degree in counseling and psychology. And I was working with youth and counseling a lot of kids and working in different avenues of that and getting my feet wet there working at elementary schools and that's what kind of flipped it for me in my senior year at UCI one of the school psychologists pulled me aside and said you don't want to do this and I said why yeah why she said because you won't get to do what you're doing right now you're being able to pull aside these kids and have relationship with these you know young students and make a difference because of the program that she had set up she said but I'm doing paperwork and assessments and testing and making hard phone calls you would be more impacting in the classroom you should change your course and that's wise so that flipped it for me and then that was literally my senior year and I was about to graduate and I was doing my research project on on counseling kids in class and and So I immediately applied for Point Loma Nazarene University and got into their teaching program for the following year and graduated a year after that. And that was cool. Yeah. So I was teaching from there on. And then as of late, in the last 20 plus years, things have changed a lot in education. And I've watched many good friends like the Kunkels and handfuls of others that have done the homeschool thing really well and have modeled that for me and for our family. And that was something that was appealing, but I couldn't wrap my head around it because I knew teaching in a classroom, Mm -hmm. you know, just the way I had understood. So anyway, I finally really felt called to step out. And so I quit and just did kind of a radical, like 180. And recently now I work for a charter school that helps check in with homeschool families and now homeschooling my two kids nice. so, <laughs> as well as checking in with some of my other friends that and when I say checking in, we just we're like a liaison for the state and we're that connection between the families and the administrative piece that you know parents don't want to mess with and have to deal with so you can teach and have a good time and and then I handle the paperwork so I assume right now that there is probably someone listening yeah it's either a wife mm-hmm. of a holy smoker who's mm-hmm. just interested in the whole couple that smokes together, stays together right. aspect, the women of holy smokes, that kind of thing. And they're hearing your story and they're going, yeah, that's great for you. You were an elementary school teacher for 20 years. <laughs> I have no idea where to even begin as a homeschool mom because we have our first that's about to turn five or mm-hmm. six or Maybe it's a parent of someone that's in junior high and they're really going through some hard stuff and they know that they need to pull them out, but they can't grasp their mind around. It took me 20 years. I'm telling you, I hear you big time because in fact, I think my role in the classroom and, you know, the brick and mortar setting that almost 
not that it was a disadvantage, but somebody who doesn't even have that to worry about can almost start fresh without really? those expectations. Yeah, I would encourage and really trying to tell someone, I've got some friends that are new in this journey as well, same situation that you just mentioned. And they said, oh, that's easy for you to say, same thing. And I said, you know what though? I have my days where I feel like I could manage 30 kids better than I can manage my own two. Mm-hmm. Because of the dynamics in our relationship. And so that's the piece that has to get fostered and worked on and mature. And so I'm learning the transition between home, you know, pulling my teacher mentality and putting it in my living room or my backyard or wherever we are. That's actually been my hardest stumbling Mm. block is trying to set aside some of those intense expectations that I had for a classroom of 30 kids versus my two that just need my attention intimately. You know? Yeah, that's actually a good point. The dynamics in the home have been totally different. I was yeah. really worried about just the same thing she was saying, not just the educational piece, but the tensions between you know her and the daughter or the kids, how that was all going to go. Yeah. They, were they going to respect her as such? And yeah, it just with her point out, making the family more of a priority not that you can't do it obviously the other way but it's been really cool to see how that has changed the relationships have grown and the dynamics in the family the educational part we you know knowing some families helped but we you know with a bible and a library card you can when you actually (laughs) do some research into classical education and teaching the kids to learn to love or love to learn Whereas, you know, for me, school was more social. Did I learn? Absolutely. And all the stigmas of homeschool, you know, most of the stuff we hear is, oh, well, how do they get their socialization? socialization. <laughs> so I was like, we surf for PE. We do all kinds of stuff. And nice. uh, we're not worried Surfing. about that. Although there are the stigmas of homeschool, of course, but that was the least of our concern. So usually we say, well, in a classroom of 30, how much attention are they actually getting versus you know, when you do it at home. Yes, Christy being a teacher, that was more of a normal transition for us, but her being an EF, meeting with homeschool families, she works with tons of women that aren't and gets to help them through that process and really the ease of, oh, really, we're just, you know, reading with the kids and teaching them Mm -hmm. and I get to decide how I feed this curriculum, you know, to the kids. And it's not so much of the bubble which is another stigma. It's changed of a lot homeschool. over the years. It really but has. But there's actually an analogy of surfing again that I like to use. It's like I don't expect my 6-year-old to just paddle out to the lineup first dive in. Do I want to protect him? Yes. Do I want to prepare him? Yes. Eventually he'll get to do that on his own, but on his level whereas you know another kid may be ready sooner. So preparing them, you know, more to equip them a little bit more. One of the things that you both have said, and by the way, for listeners that don't know, my wife has homeschooled my boys, our boys, 15 and 13 since. Oh, from the beginning? Since the beginning, since first grade. Good for her. And kindergarten, I guess. You both have said community. Mm -hmm. How important was that for you both in making that transition? Huge. That was huge for me because... Like what kind of community have you gotten involved in in order to help to make that transition? Well, for speaking specifically for the kids and not just going cold turkey and doing five days a week at home, but we did find 
a classic theater arts program. They teach art history and everything is taught through the arts. And so they go to this program twice a week. So it's a hybrid. So then the other three days I can speak into that. We can read up on the history that they're going to be going over and then we can cover the mathematics and the other filler stuff from home. But they're getting the hands-on application with the actual art and the creative and theater. It's amazing. So That's fantastic. That's awesome. So Mm -hmm. you both have been married since 2007, six, Six. six, almost seven. It's turning 13 (laughs) How many kids do you guys have together now? Two. Well, four. We have four total. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) We didn't didn't clarify. Yeah. So our oldest, 22, Madison. Tyler's just turned 21 in Mm -hmm. July. Olivia is 11. They're actually born on the same day, 10 years apart. To the day. Oh. Uh, and then Isaiah is eight. So we have three girls, and then the, the last two was a surprise. We got the boy. And you are a Southern California boy teaching your kids how to surf. Yeah. You're a surfer then? Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. All right. We have a show about cigars. <laughs> I know. So how does this all so, connect, right? So, Sean, how, how did you get involved in cigars? <sighs> well, I actually had... A discipleship program that I did. It was just a very small group. It was me, two other guys, and then the discipler, Pete Chambrook. We went to uh, Rock Harbor at the time in Costa Mesa. And it was like a year-long deal, maybe longer, 18 months, something like that. Anyhow, at the end of it, he took us to his house, and he taught us how to tend a pipe, which I had never had any introduction to any of that, and I thought, you know, and here he lit one match and just sat there and watched us go match after match. <laughs> and he's trying to teach us how to tend this pipe. So anyhow, I went out. I loved it. We had a blast. You did? Oh, yeah. So how old were you at the time? I was... You were 26. <laughs> yeah, I would have been 26. Exactly. 26, okay. 27. Yeah. And anyhow, so went out and got a pipe. And, you know, I smoked it a handful of times a year. And it was more just something I did by myself. And then we actually met Brett Kunkel, who lived next to us and invited us to a Holy Smokes and went over there and I brought my pipe and sit there and try to have a conversation. And it just was going out on me. So I switched over real quick to the cigars, (laughs) uh, which I prefer now. Okay. But yeah, I guess my initial draw aside. When did you meet Brett? When did you get introduced to the Holy Smokes? Probably, was that five years ago? Summer 2012. Yeah, I mean, literally, he moved into our neighborhood. My wife said, oh, hey, there's this new couple that goes to our church. Let's bring them a meal. Within five minutes of being there, Brad asked me, do you smoke cigars? <laughs> Just want to make sure <laughs> we could be friends or not. It's, it's the on-road to kind of introduce people to Holy Smokes. That's what Kay so Humine did to me. He was like, the second question, do you like cigars? You like cigars? <laughs> do, you, do you happen to like cigars? Yeah. I want to know how much further this conversation Absolutely. He was gracious enough to let me bring my pipe, and then he knew right away, but... <laughs> But yeah, I guess the initial draw was obviously just the the vehicle in which it created a posture where I wasn't worried about the next thing I was going to do or, you know, to be able to sit down and have a quality conversation. I mean, I'm sure for you, you said when you lay in bricks, you're going, you're going against the clock. That stuff's going to dry. The mortar's going to dry. And so you're going, going, going. A chance to kind of decompress and have a yeah. conversation with other people. That kind yeah. of slows you down. Yeah, and again, I, 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 could assume, I could assume that was something really good for you. Yes, it was. Yeah, and that was exactly the draw for us. And then, you know, it wasn't just a closed guys group. My wife would come. 
our kids being the same age as, as theirs, it was just a great fit. Natural. It was really organic and happened with ease, you know. The other thing I love about Holy Smokes is, you know, we've met guys that are in town. As you know, Kay is the master networker, but yeah. they'll, they'll come in town. We have a guy that comes, Nate, from Rwanda, and you get to hear what the Lord's doing outside of your bubble. Mm-hmm. Things that you would never have known, never put together. And it was good community that way. People that are just in your own area, obviously you're hearing their own struggles in marriage and yeah. different things that you're not really having a counseling session, but you're left feeling like, okay, I'm not the only one. Again, good quality conversation, good community. And then there's guys that come that, I mean, it's been a huge ministry opportunity. We have seen guys come to the Lord through it, oh, uh, walk cool. them through process, some really good conversations there. So Christy, when your husband Mm -hmm. started coming around here what was your background with guys smoking cigars well I didn't have strong feelings about it either way I didn't mind the smell of it I thought I liked it I enjoyed the way it smelled especially the pipe when he was you know smoking that and he would just sit in the backyard and we'd sit out there with him and so it wasn't an exclusive thing and I didn't grow up with other than my grandparents both my grandfathers smoked but cigars, not not cigars, sorry, cigarettes. And so that was it. It was more of a, just kind of a curiosity factor for me, maybe. And when he said, oh, well, would you like, you know, you want to try this? And so interestingly enough, I just started off kind of just out of pure curiosity. And I saw and heard the conversations Mm. that were happening Mm. with these men and knowing there's so many other alternatives that you could be doing or spending your time and of course would I rather it be in this kind of enriching setting you know so if the worst thing you're doing is sitting around talking deep about life and smoking a cigar with some good guys that's not so bad and so I didn't I wasn't turned off by it so you didn't have any concerns about tobacco and and well I did a little bit but I I know that the stigma that comes with that sure sure absolutely that definitely came into play in the back of my mind but I know some of the research that has shown it's not as intense it's not as harmful and you're not ingesting it the same way and it's not filled with chemicals and plus I figured there's what isn't going to kill you right we always use that phrase (laughs) (laughs) but but I mean if that's the worst thing in that you're I can't complain about the quality of community and conversations that were happening. So, Did you notice anything start to happen? Did you notice anything with Sean when he would come home? Was he different? Was he a better husband? Was he more... Yeah, great question. With, was he more in <laughs> present with you guys afterwards? Or? Hard to be better than I already am. Oh, goodness. <laughs> All right. I've been hanging out with that other guy too long. Um, this... <laughs> This is a good question. You know what? I know a couple of other wives whose husbands joined in almost the same time who yeah. would hang out. And they would say, my wife doesn't want me to miss this. Because she knows the quality of men that are here and the conversations and how I do come home with maybe a softer attitude and a more generous or understanding, you know, or open, wanting to sit and talk. So yeah. that was a... Um, a real benefit. Yeah, I could see that right away. So Christy, yes. when did you first... When did I convert? When did you come over <laughs> to the Holy Smoke side? Crossover. You know, well, because 
I hit it off with, you know, Aaron and our Aaron family. Kunkel, Aaron Kunkel, yes, who some other women. She and Brett were, you know, always wanting to host or yeah. they were so generous with opening their home and providing a space for our family. And so after many, you know, nights of visiting and I know Brett and Sean, they would say, Come on, join us. Yeah. And so it's easy for us to get busy as wives and as moms. And we think, I know initially I would think, oh good, you're busy, you're preoccupied and you're having great conversations, so you're fine. I'm gonna go get one more thing done. And that's something he always gives me a hard time for. It's like, there's no, there, you know, there's the Mary no Mary Martha yes. quandary. Yeah. Yes. Which and some of that was good. You know, she gets a night off, whatever, but. In one sense, I, that was the kind of, yes, go, please. And I'll go, I'll do my yeah. thing. And she yeah. began to be a little, not jealous, but wanting to be, you know, like I don't want to miss out on that either. Yeah. So, yeah. so then, really, for us, and this was kind of Sean and I were talking about it earlier. This was a really sweet time in our marriage, and just in this is a little season of our life when this all happened. Was we had a little side porch, an old 1930s spanish style house it was darling and it just had this perfect little spot for two chairs on the side and when sean came home and said hey i got you this you know cigar that the java that's right it'll taste like coffee or you know chocolate and (laughs) so try it see what you think and we'll sit here and talk so that began the initial sit down and us the couple smoking where we sat on the porch put the kids to bed and would talk about our day and whatever was going on and it was well where we would normally we had our shows we had our you know things that we would do get sucked into and and not really connect not talk about our day Mm -hmm. Um, so I think you were drawn to that and then I picked up on it real quick and said this is good that we're connecting we're talking about things you know and yeah, because the only part I was jealous about is he'd come home and tell me about all these amazing stories that he'd heard or adventures from other guys and life experiences or conversions or, you know, and I'm going, yeah. okay, well, I don't want to miss out on that either. And he would brag about just that time. It forces you to sit down and slow down and talk. And I was like, yes, let's do that. <laughs> I'd like to sit down and talk, you know. So it became something we did together as a time for us to connect. And I really valued that and looked forward to it when we were intentional about that so yeah and not that i mean we did you know you can go on a hike there's a number of things you can do obviously you can do other things but this was but this was (laughs) unique in that you know again for me to sit down for an hour two hours and not be distracted by anything else i don't know that there was any other real vehicle for that and i am such a busy bee that i would try to fold a pile of laundry right now if i could and (laughs) you know have your cigar. Yeah, dude. Yeah, so I had her things. attention. I mean, it, it, was it forced a really me good, to slow down too. Yeah, thing we enjoyed, still enjoy. Yeah. Now we just have to be more intentional because the kids are older, and we were noticing it's not as easy just to put them down, and they're staying up later. Or mm-hmm. we just have to be a little bit more intentional, and that's the challenge. But it's nice when you have close friends, and for us, we're spoiled because we share a backyard practically, at least a fence. Yeah. With, with us and the Kunkels, so. There are many nights where once we do get the kids down, we can sit back in the backyard and and talk and enjoy and do the same thing. Make the pitch for husbands who want (laughs) their wives to kind of start to be in this part of their life and also Mm -hmm. make the pitch to the wives 
on what this has meant for the two of you to share this? Yeah. I think the pitch makes it for itself, right? I mean, for me, it was easy because she valued, like she said, that time. She never complained when I was going to hang out with these men. The cigar aspect of it was secondary, really. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but then we also know a lot of guys that have to strip down before they get in. They can't mm-hmm. smell it, you know, stuff like that. So there's areas where you obviously have to respect, you know, people's boundaries or whatever. But I think if the pitch was to be made, it's that, yeah, I mean, for the husband specifically, if he enjoys, we're assuming he enjoys cigars, making the pitch to the wife. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would say that's an opportunity for you to engage and value something that your husband does and enjoy. I don't know that I actually cared whether you smoked or not, though. I loved. It was more about I'm just bl- the time. Yeah. I'm blessed that she does love it. I mean, it was almost natural in that sense. So maybe I'm bad at making the pitch, but uh, <laughs> what would you say? I'm curious. I would say, and I don't know if you were wanting him to tell, like, how would you get the husband to get the wife on board? Yeah. Is that what you were after? Or... I don't even know what else No, okay. No. Well, for me, it was, I would say, women who aren't offended by the smoke or the smell of it, and they enjoy it, and they wouldn't be opposed to trying it and just sitting down and having a conversation. There are some very enjoyable, flavorful options that are perfect gateway, but it's something, I think, I don't know, it's just worth stepping out and trying and just having that connection. And you don't you don't have to smoke to sit there and enjoy a conversation, but I don't but know if you're doing a good job of that. <laughs> yeah. And I don't have to do it all the time. I just I do enjoy that when it is intentional, you know. All right, it's time I'm attracted <laughs> more. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> just <get a> cigar. <laughs> <laughs> There it is. There's the pitch. There's the pitch. Yeah. There's the pitch for the wives. Give it a try. There's the pitch for the wives. Mm -hmm. Pick up a cigar. Your husband will be more drawn to you. (laughs) All right. It is time to close this thing out with rapid fire questions. Okay. Hey, everyone. Before we get to the Hatfields rapid fire segment, I wanted to share a note that Kay and I got from an 80 year old listener that lives in Southeast Kansas and still works in his small town family owned business. He told us, I really lack male friendships because so many of my friends have passed the last few years and I would value a group of men to spend time with. I'm learning some valuable lessons through this podcast and wish I was 30 rather than 80. I plan to stay tuned for more interviews. May God continue to bless your group in 2020. He also talked about how we wrestle with the concept of men and women partaking in fine tobacco and drink because of the church and denomination he grew up in. But the podcast is changing that. When I showed this to Kay at his house recently, we both started tearing up. This is my why for the show. So if that moved you, would you consider partnering with us? Kay and I want to develop a website to better facilitate groups, and we want to travel to get stories for the podcast. We want to get back to doing two episodes a week, but we need your help. There are two simple ways you can help us out. Become a regular supporter at Patreon at patreon.com slash holysmokes and there you can get early access to episodes ad-free versions swag and more patreon.com slash holysmokes or you can make a tax-deductible donation at paypal.me slash holysmokesclub both of those links are in the show notes thanks 
Fire. Here. All right. Cigars or pipe? Cigars. Yeah. Cigar. I like to smell the pipe, but I would. it's easier to smoke a cigar. Favorite cigar? Ooh, your favorite one. Your go-to. Favorite cigar. Your go-to when you're celebrating something. Gosh, when I'm celebrating something, that would be uh, Liga Pravada, number nine. Christy? Okay. I really enjoyed the Nat Sherman that I discovered when we were in, that was also in Colorado. Colorado. Yeah. yeah. And there were a bunch of different varieties, but there was one in particular in the label. It had a, it looked like a clock or a t- uh, it was something about time. I don't know. Mm. And I, I remember the label, what it looked like, but it was a Nat Sherman. It was really good. She likes Nats. Yeah. yeah. All right. Favorite liquid pairing with your cigar? Old martini. fashioned. <laughs> Old fashioned? Did you say martini? Martini. <laughs> All right. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Star Wars. Marvel or DC? Marvel. Neither. <laughs> Chrissy's saying neither. <laughs> hey, I it's don't an honest care question. about comics, I know. All right, <laughs> that's, an honest, that's an honest one. Dogs, cats, dogs. neither, or both? All of the above and every other animal. An animal lover, Just bring Christy. on the farm. And then, and then Sean's a, gay, a dog guy. Dog guy. Dog guy. What we, kind of dog? Well, we've always had labs. Okay. Yeah. We had two pot belly pigs. Until about, has it been a year? No, it's no. just been a few months. Still grieving. A few months. I miss my piggies. Make the pitch. I don't get pigs. <laughs> I just oh. don't. I don't get them. Don't do what, it. <laughs> what, what, what is it about pigs? Well, they are really smart. I know. I've, I've heard that. Yes, everybody that. knows. But they learn very quickly. And so you have to be on your A game or they will train you. Really? So, yes. How so? If they squeal, you come and hurry and you feed them to shut them up. Ah. So they learn right away. That's their their biggest vessel for, I mean, that's their weapon is their squeals or, you know, and their snout's the strongest muscle they have. So they'll get their way. Just stick to dogs. (laughs) If you could be any animal, what would you be? I'll let you answer that one. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Your dog's got a pretty good life. Yeah, <laughs> our dog does have a good life. He's spoiled rotten. I would say dog. All right. <laughs> Most memorable cigar experience. I know it right off the top of my head. That's weird. I was given a cigar by Brett Kunkel. We've mentioned him a lot through this, but it was just a special cigar from LFD that they only made for, I think it was the Cigar Festival. And I can't even tell you the name, but it just was a special moment. <laughs> We've yeah. actually brought up that smoke up for multiple times. And we were building some Ikea furniture or something outside on one evening. And it just was a special moment. Perfect. How about you, Christy? <laughs> Anything come to mind? I guess I should have mentioned one that I had with you. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm drawing a blank right now. All right. Probably Fun. one you had with me. I just, yeah, when I think those initial days. Those Javas and sitting on the porch. Yeah, yeah. those were special. Final two questions. If you could have a holy smoke with any three people in history, alive or deceased, who would they be? You can't name Jesus because everyone's going to name Jesus. Oh, man. Do you know? Well, I mean, like, what are we talking here? Like Yoda or... Can we mention? 
<laughs> Maximus Aurelius. Uh, you have to name Jack Black. Jack Black would be one of them. All right, Jack Black he, is one. A secret hero. All right. Not so secret hero. What about C.S. Lewis? Well, yeah, of course. Would I love to have a conversation <laughs> with him? Why not? Of course. All right. So have I given you... Uh, and then number three. I'm going to throw... Uh, I don't know. That's an interesting one. question. Think about it. How about you, Christy? You, yeah, you... you okay. I would pick George Mueller. Ooh. Somebody that I think was amazing and would love to have conversations with him on how he managed to have that much faith and oh my gosh, yeah, pulled off totally. that orphanage the way he did. So um, I have a huge heart for missions and kids. So that would, I'd just love to talk to him about that. Mm. And I love Anne Morrow Lindbergh. She was married to Charles Lindbergh. Ooh. And she wrote an extraordinary book that I reread almost every year. And it's called Gift from the Sea. And I mm. love the way she talks about the seasons of life for women and for men but she led an extraordinary life as well and went through many challenges and so she would also be a unique character to talk to and i thought she was a really gifted writer so i love to just hear her speak and then if we were going to go back i would think for biblically uh, i was going to say paul but i i think somebody already said that so if I had to pick somebody else, recently the kids and I have been reading about Joseph and that we've been amazed at what he went through and how he continued to, you know, seek the Lord and, I like those choices. and, and honor him. So I like those choices. Yeah, um, Joseph would be a good one because he was always in the pit and it, yet he crawled out again, you know, so. <laughs> Just kept going yeah. forward. So. Sean, your last answers. one. Your last one. She set the bar high. She really did. <laughs> I was going to say John Candy. <laughs> John Candy. There you go. I like that one. I like that one. <laughs> All right. Uh, final question. If I come one year from today and I have a bottle of champagne, what are we celebrating? Mm. You want to take that? Okay. I would be, well, we would be celebrating <laughs> a successful full year of homeschooling both the kids. And hopefully, maybe me not working as much in the facilitator role and relinquishing some of that more yeah. and being more present just with my kids as the main teacher. That's mm. been hard for me to let go of that identity as a teacher. Mm. So it would be huge. Mm. It would be a yeah. huge victory to be able to let go of that and just be mom and wife in the home. Mm. How about you, Sean? Yeah, I guess mine would be more simple. Just well, it's been our desire to remodel here for the last couple of years, and it got pushed back with her st- choosing to step out of uh, teaching and our decision to do that. <laughs> so in the next year, yeah, that would be a huge accomplishment that I would love to celebrate. Say we did. All right. Maybe it'll be in our backyard next year. Holy smokes! Yeah. Community, encourage these two. Encourage these two. Let's see this happen one year from now. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Sean and Christy Hatfield, thanks for being on the Holy Smokes Podcast. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having us.